In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My dear sisters and brothers in Christ, how do you put a price on X? As inflation continues to limp along, that kind of becomes an important question, right? How do you put a price on your home, on a new car, on your groceries, on your kids' education? And those are just the things that money can actually buy. What about the things that money can't buy? How do you put a price on your marriage or your health? How do you put a price on your kids or your future? Here's an even more fun game. Type that question into your Google search bar when you get home. And what do you think, what would be your guess as to the first suggestion, the top result of how Google thinks you should finish that question? How do you put a price on, I'll give you a hint, it's none of the things that I've mentioned so far. It's how do you put a price on yourself? And when you think about it, that might just actually be about the most important question of them all. At least if you're basing it on the amount of times every day we are asking that question. Now, maybe you don't ask it out loud. Maybe you don't walk around asking people, hey, what do you think I'm worth? But we are constantly wondering, aren't we? What is my value? What am I worth to my family, to my company, in the world? If I were to go away, would anybody notice? Would anybody care? How do you put a price on you? And every way that we strive to answer that question, every way that we were taught and we teach our kids to answer that question begins and ends with you. So we tell our kids, you're valuable. And they ask, why? How? And we say, well, because you're gifted. Because you're talented. Because you're so unique. Because you're so special. We ask ourselves, why am I so important to my job? Well, I'm valuable because of everything that I bring to the company. But what happens when I search myself and I don't see anything special or unique? What if those talents that I bring to my job and got me to where I am in my career, what if those talents start slipping or the quality of my work isn't what it used to be? Or what if my job can be done by some new artificial technology at a much cheaper rate? Am I no longer valuable? 
As the old saying goes, I was always taught, something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. So, how do you put a price on you? You know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been listening to Jesus teach us with parables. These earthly stories with these hidden spiritual truths. And Jesus begins every single one of those parables in Matthew chapter 13 the exact same way. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now you've got to understand what this phrase means. It is mightily important. In fact, Matthew uses that phrase in his gospel 32 times. And when you and I think of the word kingdom... We think of a place like the United Kingdom. We think of a location. Or maybe we think back like into the Middle Ages where you had like Arthur with his Knights of the Round Table. Those were all kingdoms. A kingdom is a place. It's a place where a king reigns. Or maybe you hear the phrase the kingdom of heaven and you just kind of want to focus on the word heaven. And so you surmise that the kingdom of heaven is just a longer, fancier way of describing that place that believers go to after they die. Well, no, that isn't actually the case. The kingdom of heaven means something a little different. The first time that Matthew uses this phrase, it's actually spoken by John the Baptist. You remember this special character, right? The guy out in the wilderness dressed in the clothes that would make you run for the hills who ate wild honey and insects. He was the one that the Lord called to prepare the way for Jesus. So he was out in the wilderness preaching and teaching and baptizing people. And the very first thing we are told that John the Baptist said recorded in Scripture was repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, the kingdom of heaven is God's ruling activity in the hearts and lives of people through Jesus Christ. It's this interaction, it's this encounter between God and people. An interaction, an encounter that occurs when the gospel message this message of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is proclaimed. So where the gospel is proclaimed and the sacraments are administered, there is Jesus. And where Jesus is, God is at work. And where God is at work, there is the kingdom of heaven. So we're not talking about something physical or even visible. Which is why when Jesus is teaching the kingdom of heaven... He has to use parables because he has to find a way to take this divine, invisible thing and make it visible to us. So, what does it look like when the gospel is preached? What happens? Make the invisible visible for us, Jesus. So Jesus says, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. A picture we've heard from Jesus the last couple of weeks. Or today, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure found in a field. Or like a merchant who found an extremely valuable pearl. But how valuable? What kind of treasure? How much is the treasure worth? Well, in both cases, the answer is exactly the same. The guy sells off everything he has just so that he can purchase the land and take home the treasure and take home the pearl. Is it any wonder, then, why people's self-image is so low these days and why depression is so high? If the best that we can offer one another when it comes to finding our value, is to tell them to look within ourselves. Well, that will inevitably produce one of two results. It will either fill you with arrogance, or it will drive you to despair. When I base my worth on what I see in myself, I am either going to be extremely impressed with myself, or I am going to be sorely disappointed. You see, that's what finding your value looks like in the kingdom of this world. Those are the only two options. And you've experienced both. And you've probably bounced back and forth at various times in your life. Times when you were very proud of everything that you had accomplished Times when you wanted to walk around and pat yourself on, your ba- on the back and puff up your chest and walk into every single room with your head held high. And then times when it felt like every morning when you woke up, you just felt like kicking rocks and wondering, what in the world am I still doing here, God? I offer nothing to anyone. But what does it look like in the kingdom of heaven? What am I worth in the kingdom of heaven? What does the gospel say about my worth, my value? What does God say? He says, well, you're like a hidden treasure to God. And notice, there is no further description. It doesn't describe you as being a diamond in the rough or gold or a special ruby, something that the world would universally say, this is valuable. No, that's not the point of the parable. All that matters is that you are a treasure to the God who found you. It's sort of like when we come home from the beach, and my kids have spent the majority of the day gathering up treasures that they found in the sand and they fill up that bucket and they carry it back to the car and they expect me to put it in the trunk. And it's not filled with diamonds or gold or rubies, anything like that. No, most of the time it doesn't even include things like copper pennies. It's rocks, broken seashells, a bucket of stuff that is going to stink the high heaven by the time we get home. But you know what happens when I get home and I try and throw that bucket in the trash? Dad, those are our treasures. And it doesn't matter what I think. 
Friends, if your worth is based on the standard metrics used by the world to determine value, then you better be prepared for your stock price to eventually plummet. Because beauty is fleeting, and strength weakens, and skills dull, and faculties fail, and wealth is temporary, and success is never satisfied. And as you begin to realize this in your life, if your worth is tied to those things, the fall from arrogance to despair is a sharp and painful fall. But that's not the way, thankfully, it works in the kingdom of heaven. What happens when God interacts with and counters mankind? When the gospel is preached to you, what does it do? What does it say? It says your value is found outside of yourself. It says you are worth what someone else was willing to pay for you. And what was God willing to pay? God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten son. What could be more valuable than that? Think of how often the scriptures talk this way about this sacrificial transaction that Jesus willingly, lovingly, joyfully makes for you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. God set the price to win you the blood of Jesus, his son. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. In joy, Jesus gave up everything he had for you. In Revelation 5, a song is sung to Jesus the Lamb, and this is what it says. You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain and with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus purchased. And in 1 Peter 1 we read, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb who is without blemish or defect. Jesus purchased and won you from the pitfalls of arrogance and despair. Because you are his treasure, once hidden in the darkness of this world, but redeemed with everything he has, a treasure he washed clean and made his very own in holy baptism, a treasure that he continues to care for and feed with this holy supper as he still gives and still pours out his body and his blood for life and salvation. You are God's treasure. You are his pearl of great price. The price which was his only son. The God of heaven and earth 
who spoke the world into existence, who holds all power and authority in his hands, the God who is so great and so holy that the angels are not even worthy to gaze upon his presence. And yet it is that God who says, you are worth everything to me. Do you know what that does to arrogance and despair? When I'm tempted to look at myself and to try and see deep within the recesses of my soul some sort of redeeming quality or intrinsic value, it not only removes those from me, it removes my pride and arrogance or arrogance and despair and it replaces them with things like awe and worship and praise and humility all for the God who treasures me who purchased and won me as his very own but that's not all it does it not only takes away my need to subjectively look for value within myself, it also removes my need to look inside my neighbor and to try and find in him some subjective value or worth. You see, it removes my need to judge other people on those same values. If I know that my worth and my value is found outside of myself, that my price is determined by the grace of God, that my life is covered by the precious blood of Christ, that my worth is viewed solely on account of Christ, it allows me to view my neighbor through that same divinely objective lens. What does that look like in the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Jesus, what happens when the gospel goes out into the world? He says, well, it catches all kinds of people, so to speak. Just as the seed fell on all different types of soil. Just as there were both wheat and weeds in that man's field, and he said, let them both exist together. Let them both grow up until the harvest. So, Jesus says, among us, there will be both good fish and bad fish. But the good fish don't get to determine which is which. You see, it's not as though the fisherman says to the good fish, all right, good fish, you're in charge. I need you to bounce out of the net all of the bad fish. No, Jesus says the net, the kingdom of heaven, this ruling activity is going to continue for believers and unbelievers, true believers and hypocrites, right up until that day when that net is drug up onto the shore and there the angels will come and sort it out. You see, when we remember that our value, our worth, our status as good fish doesn't come from our efforts or our morality or our church attendance, or our offerings, that our value to God doesn't come from our own self-righteousness, but solely on the grace and mercy of God, and on account of Jesus Christ, it stops my need from trying to figure out 
which one of you is a good fish and which one of you is a bad fish? I don't have to do that anymore. Because God will sort it out. You know what it does? It allows me to just see you as a fish. It allows me to see someone who is just as undeserving of the grace of God as I am. But it also allows me to see someone who is also just as valuable and loved by God. That the message of the gospel is for him and for her and for you just as much as it is for me. Do you understand this? That's the question Jesus asked his disciples at the conclusion. And you kind of got to laugh a little bit at their response, right? They say, yes, we understand. But it's probably more like one of those when somebody's explaining something to you and you're not really paying attention and it goes one ear and out the other. And then all of a sudden they like, did you get that? And you go, yeah, yeah, I, I got it. Totally. That, that had to be their response. Because the rest of Jesus' ministry among the disciples, it was very obvious they didn't understand any of this. But they would. They would. And so do you. They eventually would, and by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, you do too. You believe that this grace is yours. You know that your salvation is paid in full, that your status as a child of God is sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you understand this, when you recognize this, when you can actually answer Jesus' question with a yes and mean it, Jesus says, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Literally what Jesus says there is, everyone who has been discipled in the kingdom of God. And guess what? That's you. Everyone who has been discipled in the kingdom of God is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So what do God's treasures do with their new status? What do his disciples do with this understanding, this knowledge that you are invaluable in the eyes of God on account of Christ? You don't leave it tucked away in the storehouse for safekeeping. It is a seed that is to be cast on the ground. It is a net that he wants draped around your family and friends. He wants you to pull out all the stops. He wants you to bring out the treasures of Jesus, his love and mercy and peace and forgiveness, and to wrap up everyone in your life with them. How many countless people in this world are desperately looking to be loved? To hear someone tell them, you matter. To hear someone tell them, you are valued. Why? How? Because the grace of God says so. 
And it's not something you got to look deep within yourself to find. It's not something you're ever going to find by looking in a mirror. It's only something you're going to find by gazing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is there on that cross in your place because God values you that much. Martin Luther put it this way, one of my favorite lines. He said, God does not love us because of our worth. Rather, we are of worth because God loves us. You see, friends, this is the kingdom of heaven. Christ reigning and ruling in your heart by faith. In claiming you as his priceless treasure, he has made himself to also be yours. He gives you a new spirit and a new life this joy, that joyfully lives and believes the words that we sang at the beginning of our service. What is the world to me? My Jesus is my treasure. He is my life, my health, my wealth, my friend, my love, and pleasure. And you can sing those words and actually believe them to be true. Because Jesus has made them so. Take everything I have, world. With Christ, my Savior, I have my greatest treasure. And in his love and with his forgiveness, I have everything I need. Because he is mine. And I am his. And thanks be to God. Amen.